With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's get into it. Um, We apologize uh, here on the Anonymous Eagle podcast that we missed uh, last week uh, due to an audio snafu. uh, Skype was not cooperating properly. I promise you the podcast that we recorded was the greatest piece of art. I'd say American history or do we want to go world history? Yeah, it's one of those things where it'll be lost uh, to, to time so no one can tell us that it was bad. They'll make an Indiana Jones movie about finding the lost, the lost podcast episode. Lost podcast episode. Yes. It's it's got a nice ring to it too. Are they making um, a new one of those? Indiana Jones? Yeah. It's a good question. Um, I, I think, think they are. Ford might be maybe too old. I don't know if that's a fair. Ford's way. probably pushing the envelope. How old is he? He's almost eighty, I would guess. I'm going to say 73. That's my official guess. Yeah, I think that's a good guess. I actually like that guess a lot. Harrison Ford is 77. Yep. Anyway, good uh, good Harrison (laughs) Ford start to the podcast. That's very on topic and relevant to to our conversation today, um, which is going to be all about Harrison Ford movies, ironically. Mm -hmm. Um, So... The Marquette basketball team, since we last spoke to you, um, has played twice. Played twice in today is February sixteenth. They have played twice in a two-week period. Yeah, that very weird. Extremely strange. Um, but the uh, results, um, I think, are hinting at a positive, uh, positive uh, trend for the rest of the season. Um, I think off the top, I would like to say that, um, the, the Twitter streets are restless with, um, all kinds of, uh, angst. And I would like if, if the, uh, if the mark, the collective market Twitter sphere could just take a deep breath and enjoy the end of Marcus Howard without having to scream at everyone who deigns to um, say someone else should win National Player of the Year. Um, that said, Miles Powell is shooting 25% from three, and that's just a scientific fact that we will not dispute. Anyway, uh, the Villanova game on Wednesday, um, I would say, while not a win, was about as positive a step in the right direction um, as you can get um, – in a loss at Villanova. Um, probably the only concern, Ben, would you like to, would you like to start talking about um, your boy here to start? Unfortunately, it appears as though I am a jinx in every sense of uh, the word. Um, yeah, you really did sort of take a mini victory lap before this. Well, so in the long forgotten podcast, I spent, eh, 10 to 15 minutes just gushing over the development of Brendan Bailey. Scoring values. Yeah, and so I guess we can slightly recap the Butler game and say that that was was probably Brendan Bailey's best game in his uh, Marquette career because he was legitimately the best player on the court on both the offensive end and on the defensive end. Wojo made an adjustment to deny post entries and drives to the basket because Butler was uh, scoring from uh, close to the rim at will to start off the game. And Brandon Bailey was the fulcrum around which Marquette turned around their initial uh, hazy performance and also was just deadly from three and was getting to the rim. And so I took that opportunity to puff out my chest a little bit 
And especially because this was part of a larger development that he's had in conference play, which he's stepped up on both ends of the court to be a legitimate contributor and part of the reason of Marquette's overall positive trend. And I basically put that all into words, which you can read at anonymouseagle.com. Um, and immediately that just went poorly, just very poorly. He had unfortunately a very, very, very bad game against Villanova. His offensive rating for that game was 12. Um, for the, for the less informed, uh, it is on a scale of, I don't know, like zero to like 200 or something like that, where a hundred is pretty average. So, uh, 12 is a very, very, very poor performance. And also he spent, uh, the first part of the game, uh, having the assignment of Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who had probably the game of his life at Villanova. He was very good. Yeah, he, he was quite good, but I think uh, we can start to spin into the overall positive of this loss because Wojo quickly realized that Brendan Bailey was not it, Chief, and he put Jamal Kane into the game. And Jamal boy, Kane Jamal Kane had a fantastic game. Jamal Kane was very good. Yeah, and just one of my favorite pleasures watching this Marquette team is watching Jamal Kane jump. Yep. Like he's yeah, he's he an insane jumper. He almost had a Jordan dunk. Mm-hmm. He really went for that one dunk. Yeah, that was a great dunk. It was on a steal fast break opportunity. There was, uh, I think, Colin Gillespie in between him and the basket. And uh, no, normal players were like, eh, like, maybe try and draw a foul or something like that. Maybe even push back a little bit because it was one on three at that point. But Kane took off from almost the free throw line and just tried to yam it on him. Uh, unfortunately missed, but uh, Jamal Kane ended up for the game three or four from three, and all of those threes came at pretty critical junctures of the game where it seemed like the rest of the team was out of it. They kind of chalked up the loss because everything was going in for Villanova. Like I don't think the defense was particularly horrendous but Villanova was stroking it from deep I think they made eight out of their first 15 shots that were threes um and even like their mid-range game was just somehow working like a charm and so while the rest of the team was kind of uh turning in it seemed like Jamal Kane really took the opportunity to show his chops to the coaching staff and take advantage of this opportunity. And he was kind of the starting point for what was almost a completely miraculous batshit crazy comeback. Yeah. Um, what that would have been insane. Um, I didn't feel like it was going to happen at any point. I didn't really either. There was, a couple times where my eyebrows raised a little bit and then all of a sudden we're down three with the ball yeah. with less than 30 seconds left. And unfortunately it seemed like Villanova is of the foul up three mentality. So, uh, yep. Some weird, uh, free throw misses down the stretch. That was kind of bizarre. Marcus Howard with a, with a three for six free throw game. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very odd performance, uh, by him from the free throw line. Um, but he kind of, took uh what Kane was doing and uh applied it pretty well like he accelerated the process he made some really tough shots down the stretch yeah I think um I was just really encouraged by the fight back obviously that's a that's a huge element of it um I think Bailey um is having a fine season and is it's okay for him to occasionally have these games. I do think, though, that what he can bring as if he's making his three-pointers, um, what he can bring as a you know a floor stretcher for them is super, super important. And obviously what he brings on defense as well um, helps a ton. Um, Theo John, I thought, was extremely capable um, when he wasn't in foul trouble. Yeah. Um, 
the athleticism defensively that he was showing when they really needed it because it was quite clearly a struggle for Jace, which is, you know, not, not disparaging of Jace at all. That's not an assignment he's really athletically capable of. Yeah. Um, he gave it his all and made a couple of stops um, that it didn't seem like he was going to make. But, you know, when Theo John got in there, it really um, got in there for a long stretch. It really showed how, you know, his progression and um, capabilities, which I really appreciated because he is a potential really big ceiling raiser for this team. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was a very um, at Nova sort of game, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, that's Nova's going to play a lot better than you based on the intimidation factor. And it's your job to try to, you know, helter skelter back into it. And um, they did not uh, succeed in the end, but it was a result that will not impact them negatively in any way, shape, or form, except for the fact that it's a W and not, it's an L and not a W. Yeah, I think uh, we raised our net ranking a little bit. It's just so weird, like, how the result of this is more or less the exact same result from, say, the Butler overtime game, where it's a loss on the road to a top 20 team, and it was a close loss. But because the process to get there was so wildly different, the general reaction, at least for myself and from what I noticed afterwards was kind of a shrug of the shoulders. And really the only thing that seemed to anger most people was the fact that Marcus Howard set the biggie scoring record on that garbage time three that he made. It's pretty, yeah, it was a pretty sweet shot. It, it, kind, of, it kind of was. Absolutely bottom of the net. And then he like had the emotional reaction of like a, a small animal dying in his presence and it was like jeez this is so brutal but i still love it like before the shot even made it to the net he was in the process of just ripping off his mask yeah it was a a weird moment he was yeah exactly he was just like walking dejected taking his mask off it was such a weird just such a weird thing to see but i know what else is weird that i am now just noticing so Bart Torvik and his uh, box score will break out shots by a dunk shot, rim, mid-range, and three-pointers. So Marquette against Villanova from the mid-range was 0 for 16. Oh. For 16. That's not very. Yeah. And a 14 of 20 from the rim. So I was initially thinking, like, man – like that because Villanova killed us in the two point game, but when we got to the rim, we were right on target, but it just seemed like the mid range jumpers weren't going in. Even though I'd like to see less of them, you still wouldn't really expect zero of them to go in. So it seemed like a decent amount of I don't want to say luck, but just general meh was a factor here because Villanova ended up making seven of their 15 from mid range. And so it's not a shot that you would expect to go in almost half the time. And the fact that Villanova had more of those shots than shots at the rim kind of indicates that Marquette was doing their job defensively. But again, the point of the defense is to create low percentage shots and if you make those low percentage shots, then what are you going to do? Exactly. Um, I think Andy said at some point during the game that um, he would he was totally okay with the back-to-back 18-footers that Robinson Earl had been stroking, and it was like, yeah, I think I'm I think I'm good with that. Like, if you're really thinking about what the value of that shot is, where you not only sacrifice it to um, a jump shooter of questionable quality. You also get the rebounder away from the rim. It's Mm -hmm. like that kind of stuff was, was fine. And it was just sort of going in for Nova. So to a certain extent, you kind of just have to chalk it up to it being Nova. Um, This would have been a great win. Um, It 
just all the things around it probably is not really a game that you ever win unless you play really well and Marquette played fine but not really well. Mm-hmm. The one the one thing that is, I mean, still we're playing with house money right now mm-hmm. given the win against Butler. Um, I was somewhat hoping. I mean, obviously I hope for a win every game, but in terms of uh, Big East standings and uh, getting ideal matchups for the Big East tournament that can boost our seeding. That's kind of a game that you'd like to have, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, looking ahead to apparently the greatest team to have ever lived, Creighton, that can still be a game that we can I don't want to talk about it, man. I'm not excited for this basketball game. (laughs) I'm really not excited. Uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm scared, man. Creighton is on an absolute tear. Yeah. Creighton is gross. Creighton is so freaking good right now. Like, it's literally just that hiccup against Providence. And everything, actually both Providence games ended up being pretty close. But it's just, everything's a double-digit win for them, except against Seton Hall. But They're they're burning people to the ground right now. It's not good. And Tyshawn Alexander, I'm, I'm really starting to be high on him because he's probably their best overall scorer i mean yeah zigarowski too like he and zigarowski are probably their two best scorers on the team they had a 76 percent assist rate against the ball that's so gross <laughs> that's so gross the paul had but, a 42 percent assist rate and but the other thing about alexander is that he's like a complete lockdown defender and so that was critical against Seton Hall because Powell had just nothing going for him and he did the Miles Powell thing where he keeps shooting no matter what even if there's no chance of it going in but a decent portion of that is because maybe the best defender in the Big East is on him the whole time and so knowing what Creighton did to us in the first game and knowing what Tyshawn Alexander is probably going to be doing to Marcus Howard it's definitely going to be a game where other people desperately need to step up if we want a shot at that. Yeah. Um, I think my biggest fear based on, you know, obviously also what happened in the first game of the Big East season is Marquette's defense often will struggle um, with closing out jump shooters. Mm -hmm. um, If the ball rotates quickly enough and that to me is just how I become terrified of Creighton. Like, cause that's to me, like if, if tell me, tell me about Creighton's offense from my perspective of someone that just like watches them casually and doesn't have like a full X's nose breakdown of what they do. It is ball rotation and jump shooting, like, and you know, drive and kick and, and all that. And Nova was really hurting Marquette in the first half of the game on Wednesday with that. And it just screams to me, like that's going to be what Creighton is going to try to do the entire game because they have better shooters than Villanova and they have more shooters than Villanova. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, one thing I want to mention regarding Creighton um, is how bringing along Denzel Mahoney has really helped them. He's been um, fantastic. They didn't have him for the first uh, 10-ish games of the season because I believe he had transferred in. Yeah, uh, from Missouri State. Yeah. And so he, uh, being a huge rotation piece for them, has unlocked it. Um, I think it's Alex Sindelar um, is the, be, uh, the Big East Coast bias Creighton guy, or was. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, I think it was him retweeted something about the death lineup that Creighton has been playing with um, Alexander, Balak, Zagorowski, Mahoney, and uh, Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, that's really scary stuff. Um, shooting all over the field or shooting all over the court and um, and just, just absolutely capable – of absolutely burying you. 
And that's um, just that's five guys between the height of six two and six five, and it works extraordinarily well. Yep. And and you know against Creighton, Wojo probably took too long to stop playing centers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it'll be interesting to see whether um, Marquette can go to the um, three guards Kane and Bailey lineup for a really extended period of time. Yeah, I do still see a place for Theo John to perform well in this game, but that should be a short leash. Like that's it's not going to be a Jace Johnson game. Correct. If Jace Johnson, well, I mean, he's going to have to play. Well, he maybe. will play. He will play. Yeah. But he's going to. Ha- he's not going to be able to play extended minutes. I don't think. Yeah. Because they're going to just get him in a, uh, in a you know, torture chamber of chasing people down. Yeah. It, and yeah. it's it's going to be difficult for him to um, you know, stay with. If he's on, I mean, he'll be on probably whichever of Jefferson and Bishop are on the court um, mm-hmm. for for them at that point. But like, yeah, he's that's a big issue with Marquette's fives defensively is guys that can stretch it all the way to the three point line. Mm-hmm. Um, Dio does a pretty decent job of it sometimes, um, but it's just. It's not like a criticism. It's just kind of like a they are more suited for a traditional five. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think I'd be very interested to see how Wojo plays it because the lack of um, the lack of I don't know if I want to say lack of adjustment, but. Marquette got buried by sticking with centers against Creighton the first time. Yeah, they definitely did. And yeah, I, yeah, I and there's think no that reason it, that that wouldn't happen again if they did it just because Creighton is capable is the best shooting team in the conference mm-hmm. as they yeah. usually are. Although not three point wise, I think Marquette probably is a little higher. But, I think a touch. I think overall our team yeah. three point percentage has gone down. Marquette shoots higher percentage from three than Creighton does. Hey, we did it. Creighton I'm shoots just, a lot of them. I just keep looking at that game that they had against San Diego. And I know San Diego State is one of the five best teams in the country and all that. But that was a 31-point loss to San Diego State. By Creighton? Yeah, by Creighton. They dropped to 66 in Ken Palm after that game. Well... Creighton That's doesn't nuts. play a lot of defense. They don't, and they, they are due for some three-point regression because as it currently stands, uh, they are 61st in the nation at three-point defense, and that it's been argued some, but I am of the general opinion that uh, three-point percentage is mostly derived from luck, and it should be led a little bit more by the amount of three-point attempts that you give up. And Creighton right now is scraping the top 200 in terms of uh, the amount of three-point attempts that they give up on a rate basis. So for a team like Marquette that is wanting to run and gun and shoot from three, this is a favorable defensive matchup. And in addition, Creighton doesn't really extend their defense out much to try and get steals because they are severely lacking in the guys that can pick them up on the interior, obviously. Um, So I think Marquette would be suited to, I guess, just try and beat Creighton at their own game and just outshoot them. I mean, this is how... These types of games have gone before. I can think of a ton of times that I've I've just seen a Marquette Creighton game, and it's a race to ninety essentially. So that's probably how that's probably what the roadmap is going to look like for this game. Whoever shoots the best wins. Yeah, which is unfortunate because 
like I hate that kind of game for Marquette against a team <laughs> that is amazing at that. You know, like I don't hate that game for Marquette against almost any other team, but against a team like Creighton, I really don't like it at all. And it's going to stress me out because even when Marquette is, if Marquette gets their noses in front, Creighton is capable of just lighting it up and getting back into it. And I don't know. I, I, this is one of those, it's one of those matchups where, you know, it was so, it's Marquette's really, it's Marquette's worst loss of conference play from a competitiveness standpoint, for sure. Seton was around the same point total, but there was, you know, inklings of closeness for a while. Um, this yeah. one wasn't that at all. And it worries me that Marquette's not going to be able to, you know, the, it'll be a similar thing except maybe a little closer because it's in Milwaukee is, mm-hmm. is, what, is what I'm most scared of. And that would suck because two losses in a row after such a big win against Butler, you know, even though both losses are totally understandable, mm-hmm. it just kind of would derail the momentum a little bit. Yeah, it would put a lot of pressure on the upcoming road matchup against Providence on Saturday. Yes, which, you know, I think needs to be – the game needs to be won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, it really does. I don't care what the metrics say. Like, you lost to Providence at home. Providence is um, inconsistent as all get out, as they displayed this week, losing to St. John's by 11 and then beating Seton Hall by 3. They are the Jekyll and, and they are the Jekyll and Hyde of probably the country and just yeah. just within the context of the Seton Hall game itself. I mean, if this, you, yeah, right. The exactly. score the score of that game at one point, I think, I think I want to say Providence was winning thirty four to eight at one point, and Seton Hall by halftime was only down fourteen. And by, I think, like, the under-12 timeout, it was a three-point game. So, just... Yeah. Like, 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 I get, like, at some point, like, your foot can't be completely on the gas like that for the entire game when you're up that big to a good team. Like, there's at some a, point, it's going to kick in, but... There's a yeah. screw loose with Providence this year. Yeah. Not, David, David Duke still scares me, but, yeah. Yeah. It's not a totally – it's like a talented team that's, like, missing some sort of element of consistency that would make them a tournament team. Um, yeah. And it's weird because at the point because Alpha Diallo is, like, consistently one of the best players in the Big East, and right. they've also got a lot better point guard play over the year. So well, it's I mean, weird to think. They've got good centers. They've got really good wings, and mm-hmm. I think they probably are lacking – um, a really high quality uh, distributor. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Pipkins is decent, but has been really inconsistent. Yeah, he has. Yeah, I guess I still kind of think of David Duke as the big point guard on the team. But I, don't, I don't watch him that much, other than uh, the unfortunate Marquette loss. But yeah, that that'll that game will just depend on which Providence team shows up. Yeah. Well, I mean, gosh, let's take a little break and then we can talk about the <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so I yes, I that that game there's no the Creighton game is one where it's like, well, gosh, it'd be great to win and you know, they'll have to play pretty well to to make that happen. That kind of thing. The Providence game for me, I don't even want to I don't even want to like consider anything. You got to go win yeah. that. Oh yeah, yeah, you absolutely do. But you can't yeah. get swept by Providence. Can't, hashtag don't get swept by Providence. Yeah, there's no. It's a tough road game. Ken Palm's got it as I think our closest game left on Marquette's closest game left on the schedule. Uh, even with Seton Hall um, as a two-point win, um, 
by the way, I know I know this is kind of probably assumed by us, but in case you didn't know, Ken Palm individually projects Marquette to win its remaining six games. Mm-hmm. Um, and overall, which is a slightly different projection, that factors in, I think, just kind of the... The probability of each game. Yeah. Uh, overall projects a four and two finish in those six games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So 11, 11 and seven in conference would be probably above my own expectations. So try and do it. <laughs> 11 and seven would be fantastic. I would absolutely take 11 and seven. Yeah. And walk it to the bank. Um, because I don't think there's any, I mean, unless Marcus finds an, a, absolute god tier gear and just shifts it up for the last six games i don't think that marquette's gonna win all six yeah Um, despite that nice little caveat that the metrics say that they are favored yeah Um, i think really what they need to do is they need to take care of providence georgetown depaul and st john's yep that's Um, yeah, and if you're a, gonna and if you're gonna drop one, then you've got to really dig deep and beat Seton Hall, mm-hmm. uh, because I don't think ah God, I don't want to say I don't think they're gonna beat Creighton because I don't think that I I want to discount a team as good as Marquette and just say they're not beating Creighton, and I also don't like to be negative where negative negativity isn't necessarily required. Mm-hmm. But that said, like. Creighton to me feels like the team in the Big East designed to give Marquette fits. So really, you've got to win. You've got to either take care of the bad teams or pull out something. Pull out, pull out one of the Creighton or Seton Hall games. Yeah, one of the two tricky home games left. Should I? I'm still debating. Should I go to the Seton Hall game? Do you want to? I'm going still. Oh, are you going? Yeah, I've got a friend in Chicago that is probably going up, but it would mean that I probably have to take a day off work for four straight weeks. So unfortunately, oh, wow. life has is a factor for some of these things. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really thinking about it though. I might go. Anyway. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, yeah. Either way, I'm gonna be crying when I see Marcus Howard step off, step off the court for the last time. Oh yeah, that's gonna be tough, man. Yeah, but it's the kind of other. This doesn't really have any bearing on the team going forward, but it's giving me extra anxiety that coming off the high point of the season last year, Marquette started off a horrific stretch to end the season that started with a close road loss to Villanova and it happened around this time last year and so I don't like again it has absolutely no bearing on what this team will do but it is something that I'm paying extra attention to especially when you also consider the fact that Marcus Howard had a injury at the end of last year and appears to be dealing with a this facial issue right now, even though we have, yeah, I don't think it's as, I don't think it's as effective though. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could definitely see him like struggling with it at points. Like you could say, wow, he missed three free throws in a game. He never does that. Yeah. Or like, you know, he is having maybe slightly more prolonged poor shooting stretches, but like that wrist injury last year was really, really debilitating. Yeah, it was. And this one is a lot less so. Like, he is, like, able to be at mostly his peak capacity with, like, occasional stretches of um, – and this is extremely small sample size theater at this point, too, but um, occasional stretches of, like, you know, his um, aim is is not always directly on, on point, but it's like, again, at this point – He's just a a really good basketball player who's going to be able to scrape to 25 points pretty much any night. Um, yeah. What do we think about the Big East as a whole right now? Um, 
I am uh, trying to think who, who, which team interests me the most. Um, Georgetown is kind of interesting right now. Um, the two wins they had this week are ridiculous. Yeah, they beat Butler. What's yeah? I'm worried yeah. about Butler. They beat Butler. They played. So when Georgetown played Marquette a month ago, Georgetown had seven guys play. Georgetown played Butler at Butler, one by seven, played seven guys, but didn't have two of the seven guys that they played against Marquette. Mm-hmm. And they had Terrell Allen, Jagan Mosley, and Javon Blair play 40 minutes each, and Jamarco Pickett played 37. I mean, how do you lose to that? It's... I mean, we've, we've been saying it all year, but, like, just how the hell is this Georgetown team able to function remotely? I don't get it. And, you know, like, somewhat credit to Ewing, although I think a lot of what you would credit to Ewing um, is kind of offset by the fact that he allowed the program to get to the point that it's at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, like... It, it defies explanation to me that they've now gotten to five and seven in the conference. Um, mm-hmm. And like our, like we have to be worried about them at, in that game. That's the easiest game remaining on Marquette's schedule for per Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. And Marquette, I think has to legitimately like play well to win that game. I would not have said that, um, you know, two weeks ago, but this is not a team that is going quietly despite all indications that they should. Like I, it's wild that neither McClung or your seven are playing right now. And this team is like somehow functioning yeah. um, perhaps even at a higher level than they were before they lost all of these players. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they, I don't think that's necessarily true, but you know, it's still like, crazy the third it's like it's at least arguable somewhat. Still a scientific marvel how about that yeah They're 47 yeah. in ken palm they are yeah it's yeah, it's the easiest game remaining on the schedule and uh it's given a b rating for ken palm's purposes like if you don't know every ken, every game on ken palm site is listed as either an a game where the opponent it's i don't know it's like a tier ranking of like the type of win that it would be and there's A and B rankings, and so basically from at Villanova on through the rest of the year, they are all A games, except for Georgetown, which is a B game. And so it's still – like every win that Marquette would pick up from here on out would be considered a pretty darn good win, even the ones that were expected to kind of blow the other team out on. And so this kind of leads me into a game – Patrick, that I would like to play with you. Oh, gosh. Which involves probably opening up uh, your Ken Palm and Bart Torvik sites. And based on the potential first and second round matchups, oh, I would I like to I would I would like to know which teams scare you in the tournament. Oh God, I don't want to do this. But because be I mean we are selection sunday we're recording on sunday it's four weeks from today oh and, gosh it's so yeah sick. and so the college basketball season is just painfully short unfortunately but it's kind of start time to think about what teams we're going to be rooting for if we either really want to play them or we just kind of want to avoid them so so First of all, I would just like to say I would like to play a one of the last teams that makes the tournament as opposed to one of the best mid-majors. I completely agree. So um, as it stands right now on Bracket Matrix, Marquette is basically hovering between a 5 and a 6 seed. And that's probably where they're going to stay. I think so. I would That would make a lot of sense. They go pretty much like if they go... Anywhere from three and three to five and one, 
the rest of the way and don't do anything crazy extreme in the in the conference tournament, I think that's probably where they'll end up. Yeah, because um, you, you, you do have to remember when you're looking at these types of potential outcomes that there are other teams around. Like, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like, maybe like an Arizona or an Ohio State is going to make a huge push at the end or maybe a Butler is going to just just completely drop an anvil on their own head at the end. So I think, to your point, Pat, it's probably good to assume that Marquette's going to be a five or a six seed. So I'm going to give a list of some potential teams that we play in the first round, and I want to get your initial reaction on them. Are you ready? Yes. All right. First team. Indiana. Bring me all of your bring me all of your Indiana, please. Yeah, I I I, I want to play Indiana. They they just do not impress me at all. I don't think that Archie Miller is a good coach, and also I want a lot of revenge for the game that was played in Bloomington last year. It really ruined my night. Next team, Northern Iowa. They just lost to yeah they lost to Loyola Chicago in overtime. Loyola Chicago is actually on quite a run on their own. So Northern Iowa I think is pretty well aligned for an at large if they lose an Arch Madness, but I think Loyola has a decent chance Madness. of winning. I love Arch Madness, but I think Loyola does have their own shot. But for the purpose of this. Uh, what do you think about Northern Iowa, if anything? Uh, yeah, so Northern Iowa seems like this year's Murray State, so no. Yeah. yeah um, I, they would be I the never. one – The one. Um, although, gosh, look at East Tennessee State. Oh, my goodness. East Tennessee State is was another one I was going to bring up. But despite despite the – fact that I just looked at Torvik and Eastern East Tennessee State as a nine seed, which I'm gonna have to check my check with my sources to confirm that that's real. Um, I don't think it is. They're listed as a twelve on bracket matrix. Yeah, that seems more likely. Uh, yeah, Northern Iowa. Uh, no, I want no part of that. That's like if you if you were to illustrate with perfectly what my point was about the kinds of teams that I would want to play. Indiana, yes. Northern Iowa, no. It's like, yeah. you, those Northern are I- a pretty good distillation of it. Indiana is maybe a little bit better. Like, a, no, you know what? Indiana is the perfect team. Yeah. yeah. Indiana is the perfect team for that category. Here's a potential mix of things going on right now. Wichita State is a team that is constantly annoying everyone. And they're having a little bit of a comeback right now, but in their tough games in the American Conference, they have really been bad. They were blown out by Houston. They had to go to double overtime to beat UConn. Mm -hmm. They lost at home to Cincinnati on a kind of boneheaded play. And... They are now seven and five in the American, but it's Wichita State. Right, which is what. So the two things I would look for in an ideal opponent is a team that doesn't have a player of the caliber or anywhere near the caliber of Marcus Howard, and a team that doesn't have a coach that I can definitively say is probably better than Steve Wojcicki. Um, Wichita State would probably worry me in the second category there. Yeah, Greg and really coaching defense. Greg is like probably really good. Um, I, I think what would worry me most about Greg Marshall is uh, the experience he has in the tournament. He does. Yeah, is also another thing because the amount of coaches that you could, you could pick out of um, the best mid majors and the worst high majors, um, the coaches that you would pick out of that crop um, are very few are going to be as tournament seasoned as Greg Marshall. 
Mm-hmm. So that that would be what would worry me. Not necessarily that I think Marshall is in any way super definitively superior to Wojo because he's obviously having problems of his own this year with, like you said, how they how bad they've been against big teams. Mm-hmm. But like that, the kind of thing that would worry me would be a team with a coach that has been there, and you know, Wojo really hasn't. Like, I mean, obviously he's been there as an assistant, um, but he has not been able to rack up ample experience yet um, in his six years. Um, well, five complete years. He's played two tournament games, and the they've both been learning experiences to various extents, but he's not been someone that's, you know, been through deep waters like that yet, and Marshall has been in all kinds of different scenarios in that regard. Being, being a final four, being a one final four team, being a one seed um, with an undefeated record. Uh, being, they got absolutely gypped in that second round matchup, by the way, Kentucky was a top 20 team in Ken Palm and was a nine seed. Yeah. Paired up with rough. Wichita state. Yeah. That was really rough. I'm still better. Kentucky went to the title game that year, didn't they? They did. Uh, they beat. Wow. Yeah, they. Oh yeah, yeah, they did lose to UConn. They beat Wisconsin on the way, I believe. Mm, they were very good. Yeah, yeah that was a tough. I want to, I would do. I want to mention a couple then uh, potential second round teams that would uh, either have you frothing at the mouth or cowering in the corner. That's oh god. That's the name of this segment. I'm calling it that: frothing at the mouth or cowering in the corner. Oh Christ. How about I'm trying to avoid? Yeah, we got to avoid like the Big East teams. Uh, what do you think about our lad Bob Huggins and West Virginia? Um, gosh, I have lots of thoughts. Um, gimmicky team that against the right team is a disaster, and against the wrong team is the opposite. Yeah. Like, you looked at them against Baylor and Kansas the last two games, and those two teams are really talented, and the the gimmick broke at various points. Yeah. Like West they, Virginia cannot score on their own. They sucked at Baylor. Yeah, they were and absolutely. And they terrible. didn't suck at Kansas and then stopped scoring. Yeah. I mean, that's just every Kansas-West Virginia game ever. It yeah. goes the exact same way. Kansas sucks for 35 minutes, and then something clicks in Bill Self's head at the under-four timeout, and then Kansas goes on, like, a 20-to-negative-3 run. So, I don't know. It's probably not a great matchup for Marquette, but it's one that I would, like, as far as Marquette has struggled with turnovers a lot at various points this season, although it's gotten better. Um, yeah. But it would be like if you're going to tell me you have to play a top 15 team in the country, um, that would be one of the three probably that I would want because they are, like you said, like or well, we both said they're gimmicky. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. What do you think about a potential All-American matchup with Peyton Pritchard and Oregon? Um, Oregon is really weird this year because they have really good guards and really bad sides and they don't defend and they are very shaky game to game. Mm -hmm. Um, It's tough because Oregon has been a really good tournament team the last five years or so. Um, But... I don't know. I would probably be fine with it. I think any Pac-12 team is a good matchup for any not Pac-12 team. Pac-12. Do you want to do you want to know something fun and incredibly odd about Oregon? Sure, go ahead. So, Ken Palm's website will it is a relatively new feature. It will separate turnovers based on whether or not it is a steal or a non-steal. Oh, yes. Yes, so that's new. St- steal is pretty self-explanatory it's uh like live ball turnovers uh non-steal would be a little bit more of the boneheaded variety although you would think that the two would be pretty correlated if you're careless with the ball and knocking out of bounce all the time you'd think that 
sometimes it gets knocked into the defender's hands. So Oregon is the best team in the entire country at avoiding steals, which doesn't really uh, matter for the purposes of Marquette's style of defense. Right. But in the non-steal turnover category, Oregon ranks 312th in the country. So that's weird. That is weird. It's very weird. But I... I kind of agree with uh, your general assessment. I like their guard play. Um, Duarte. Yeah, Duarte and Richardson. They were – and Anthony Mathis too. Like they're all fantastic shooters. They, I don't think, are – excuse me. The types of shooters that were completely torching the country in the first part of the season. And – I think Peyton Pritchard is maybe a more, I don't want to say more well-rounded. I think he's good at more things than Marcus Howard is good at, but he is not necessarily great at some of them. And Marcus Howard is probably the best in the world at like three different things. So I would like to, selfishly to see that type of matchup play out in real time also oregon seems to be a little bit overrated in terms of their current seating because they are currently lower in ken palm rankings than marquette is so i would like to see that um yeah i i think it's but the whole point of frothing at the mouth or cowering in the corner i think the point of that was generally to see where Marquette stands in terms of the national landscape and to start to plant in the mind of you the listener that the tournament is coming up soon yes and this is the sort of thing we need to start thinking about get 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 me through the next like two three weeks and then we can we can can get there huh exactly yeah keep winning these games get the best uh matchups for the Big East tournament to get some easier wins that are still good in the eyes of the committee and just try and fluff up that seed ranking. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, where are we at? Oh, we're at 50 minutes. We can cut this off. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah. Um, gosh, like, Hold on to your absolute butts against Creighton, and then please don't lose to Providence again. Yeah, yeah. The, the, other, the other thing, we've had a lot of idle time as yep. fans, so that has partially prompted uh, a lot of the side projects of uh, trying to vouch for Marcus Howard and uh, – get in uh, discussions with those that disagree. So to that end, we luckily will have other games to distract us from that and to give us something to do. So that's good. The problem is that those games are stressful. Yes. I don't like being, I don't like being stressed out. It's a lot less stress to just like tweet at people that are saying miles Powell should win biggest player of the year. Yeah. That's not, Miles Powell, what a stretch he's had. Yeah, man. Um, I'm excited for it. Let's just say I'm excited for February 29th. I am so excited. Leap Day is going to be a good one. Uh, Best Leap Day ever, I would would have. I I sure hope so. I sure hope so, too. All right. We will talk to you guys next week. Later, nerds.